The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Wrestling to the Max, SmackDown, Review. And we are live to tape here on the W2M Airwaves. This is your SmackDown Live review. My name is Harry Broadhurst. And once again, joining me, my new co-hostess with the Moses, Liz Puglisi. Good evening, Liz. Good evening, Harry. <laughs> I actually put a little like sound chart in front of myself so I would make sure I didn't <laughs> screw up the pronunciation of your last name. It's fine. It's fine. Well, I saw the meme I got tagged in on Facebook after the show last week. I didn't want any repeat performances. <laughs> and we are indeed a presentation of the W2M Network, available online at W2Mnet.com, where you can find all of your review shows here. Myself and Liz doing SmackDown in 205. Myself and Gary doing Raw last night. Paul and Gary doing NXT. Your regular Wrestling to the Max episodes, as well as content on everything else in the world of sports and entertainment, such as soccer, football, wrestling, video games, and so much more. That is over at W2Mnet.com. In addition, we are also being brought to you over on 411mania.com. So thanks to Larry and Ashish for making that happen. All right, Liz. So we're coming off of the the terms of the Helena Cell paper. So it looks like we've got some stuff to discuss tonight. You ready? I'm ready. All right. We open up with tag team division, playa. Well, it, it gets there. But anyways, we start with the Usos calling out the New Day and a, a sign of respect being shown between the teams. Is it just me or did you get kind of a Hardy's Edge and Christian vibe from that? After the uh, Terry Invitational Tournament ladder match. I was actually wondering what it reminded me of and now you just told me. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I was wondering what it signals for them. I have a feeling that we're going to be seeing some type of team up between the two groups sooner rather than later. Well, it seems like they're kind of positioning the Usos to turn somewhat facious again because they seem to be kind of... Gable came off kind of as a heel when he had his spiel on the microphone, but we'll get to that in a second here. So, as mentioned, the new the Usos call out the New Day. Uh, sign of respect is shown between the two teams. And then after the nice little sign of respect is being shown, it turns into your typical revolving door opening segment with six different tag teams being involved. The Usos in the New Day start. They are followed by the Hype Bros, who have no business being in the conversation for a tag title match after getting pinned clean on the pre-show at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. The team that beat them, Chad Gable, Shelton Benjamin. The Fashion Police... And the, and the Ascension. Wait, wait. the Ascension still wrestle? I thought they were just background characters. Who knew? I know. I was, I was surprised, actually, when both teams came out. They and the Fashion Police. Yeah, because we were promised... Uh, 
we were promised a new fashion files tonight and we didn't get it so that was a little disappointing but i understand why because they did this 14 as mentioned daniel bryan makes his way out to the ring and bryan seems to be a little irked this evening and based on what happened to his commissioner you can kind of understand why so he orders that the Usos and the New Day leave the ring because it's the Teddy Long special. It's a tag match. Playa. A four-way tag match to determine the new number one contenders to the tag team titles currently held by Jimmy and Jay Uso. Said match happens, and Gable and Shelton Benjamin win. Shocking. Like, like, dislike, approve, disapprove. What are your thoughts here? I am so... <laughs> My biggest issue with the match was that I'm, I, I feel like every week we're getting a triple threat or a fatal four-way or something of that variety, and I am mulling over them. It seems, you know, just a way to get everybody in. Um, and I get this time constraints. They don't want to drag it out. They just want to do it in one show. I'm just over the fatal four-ways and the triple threats and things like that because it, it, it seems like every week. So, and they used to be... I don't know. To me, they used to be like more, more or less, a little bit special. It added a little bit something to it, but now it's like a cop out almost. The match in itself, I enjoyed. I think we all assumed that Gable and Benjamin would win, and rightly so. I think they're the only ones that were in it that really deserve the, the chance at the next level. I mean, I'd be perfectly okay with the Fashion Police getting another run against the Usos. I mean, after all, their day one is still H. That's true. I love the fashion police. I've always liked Tyler Breeze and, and Fandango separately, so it's you know win-win for me. Um, I would like to see them, you know, have some matches and be taken a little bit more, you know, seriously as as a tag team in the ring. To Helena, it goes back to Helena Cell for me with uh, the fashion police because they managed to make me do something that I never thought I would do in the entirety of my life. I actually felt bad for the Ascension because they just wanted to be the fashion police's friends. I was I was saddened I was saddened by that for them a little bit so I don't know maybe maybe I'm I'm just a mark and need to get over it anyway so as mentioned Gable and Benjamin do pick up the win here Uh, a little surprised to see them immediately going to Usos versus Gable and Benjamin I kind of figured they'd stretch that out a little bit longer before Gable and Benjamin got their tag team title opportunity well, like for me, that goes back to what I was saying before, like with the fatal four way. I would have rather to see some type of not a long drawn out tournament, but at least you know a couple of matches and then the winners faced each other type of thing. For me, for me personally, that makes more sense. Um, I can understand all the arguments why anybody would make against that, and that's fine. But I mean, it's kind of. I mean, when was the essential? We don't see any of the other tag teams. Really wrestle that much. From what I see online, they work a lot of the house shows. They wrestle a lot of the house shows, but we, don't, you know, if you're seeing it on TV, like most people are, you don't see it. So no, and I agree with that to an extent. In the fact that you could have used this as an opportunity, especially since they have until December for the next SmackDown exclusive pay per view, and if they do decide to wait until the pay per view to give the Gable and Benjamin their shot, which I doubt they will, because that just seems like too long. Yeah, that seems like too long in modern-day WWE. 
But yeah. you would think that this would have been something that they could have done. They could have done some kind of filler thing with these two, with these four teams here. You could have had, say, Gable and Benjamin take on the Ascension tonight. The Fashion Police could take on the Hype Bros, and then you could have the finals of that in three weeks. Right, which which Just I would give- have enjoyed because it it would have given um, the other teams more to do as well to come out to be on announcing to try to distract them to beat them up backstage. Could have really built some interest for it. Not to mention, you also had the opportunity too to allow these teams that don't traditionally get seen on television in terms of actually wrestling to uh, get some in-ring time as well, such as the Ascension and the Fashion Police. We haven't seen the Fashion Police wrestle on television in God before tonight. It was probably about two months since their feud since their feud with the Usos ended. Sounds about All right. right. So we move on as there is a backstage segment with Sammy Owen, with Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens, Sammy and Owens, uh, where they're in where they're in separate locker rooms, but refusing to talk at the present moment. That would obviously change a little later in the show. We'll get to it. Backstage, Natalia is talking to someone. I think herself. I mean, she is mm-hmm. the crazy cat. She is the crazy cat lady. When she's approached by Lana and Tamina, Lana says that the belt would look good on Tamina. Natalia disagrees, obviously. Carmella arrives and says that the belt's going to look even better on her, and she has a way to get to the title. They all start bickering, but then agree that they need to worry about taking care of Charlotte, who just magically appears out of nowhere. As always. It's almost like their ears start burning when somebody's talking about them, and they're like, I must get backstage. They're always right there. Right there, just out of the camera shot. Yeah. So anyways, Natalia asks Charlotte if she's mad that she broke her dad's heart again, to which Charlotte proceeds to hit Natty with one of the stiffest forearms I've seen in the women's division's history. It was pretty entertaining. (laughs) Absolutely stuck her with that forearm. It obviously breaks down from there, and we have a six-woman brawl as Natty, Tamina, and Carmella brawl with Charlotte and the running-in Becky Lynch and Naomi. Holy crap, Becky has a job. All right. Becky. Back. We'll talk more about the match that happened right after this year. Backstage interview time again as Renee Young ta- – yeah, Renee Young talks to the new U.S. champion, Baron Corbin. Corbin talks about how he everybody's been making fun of him that he couldn't do it, that he squandered all his opportunities, and lo and behold, here he is as the U.S. champion. Tonight, he's going to make AJ squander his opportunity at a rematch. That match is our main event. We'll get to it in a bit. So, Becky and Carmella. Um, eh. At this I mean, point, wh- I feel like they just need to take the, the briefcase away from Carmella. I don't remember. You don't really see a win. You don't. She's not made to look like a th- really a threat to Natty, other than, or anyone really, other than the fact that she has the briefcase. Yeah, but unfortunately, it's kind of WWE thinking when it comes to this briefcase here that as soon as somebody has a briefcase, they can automatically start losing a crap ton of matches, and it won't hurt them because once they win the title, what difference does it make? I know makes a difference to me. I want them to listen to me, Harry. Annoyingly. No, I agree with you. I think that the briefcase should mean something and that once you have the briefcase, you should be – I don't know if protected is the right word, but at the very least, you, I, shouldn't, I don't expect drop, to, you shouldn't be dropping constantly clean decisions like uh, Carmella exactly. has been or, 
or to an extent, and the, the person that I think that they were the most guilty about this with was Damien Sandow. Yes. Sandow got the briefcase and all of Sandow got the briefcase and all of a sudden everybody and their grandmother was beating Sandow in the middle of the ring. But like I said, it, it just makes them look like no threat whatsoever. So now at some point Camilla's gonna have to cash in because it's been how long now? It seems like forever to me. It seems like entirely too long to me, but what do I know? And uh, it's either gonna be meh or ooh, you know. Unless she does it in some spectacular way. For me, it's going to be like, oh, okay, finally. Can we move on now? I, I mean, I would actually like to see Carmella as champion. I think it would be something a little bit, you know, freshen it up a little bit. Um, is, it beca- is it because of the New York thing? You can be honest. You want me to be honest? And people, if people listen, they'll actually laugh. It, for some reason, it annoys me to no end that she's billed as the princess of Staten Island. I don't know why. It just does. I know why it annoys you. I know why it annoys you. It's because she's F A B U L O U A. She is. I actually really, I really like her. I do, but I don't. I don't know because I guess in my mind, it's Staten Island is. If anybody out there is familiar with New York City, really the forgotten borough. So it kind of seems like it's just something, kind of you know, <laughs> tongue in cheek. Like oh, whatever. She's from Staten Island. It annoys me. It really does. <laughs> and they're they're there somewhere. <laughs> At least she's from New York, I think. I'm not sure. I think so. Well, I find myself rooting for uh, local talent probably more so than I would oh, have I they do. not been local. Like for me, one of the people that I find myself getting a lot behind, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's a local talent, is Elias. Because mm-hmm. Elias, Elias. Elias came out of the Pittsburgh area and has made it to where he is now with the WWE. And I find myself kind of feeling like it's a local boy done good kind of thing because I'm about an hour outside of Pittsburgh. Right. I can understand that. All right. I don't, I, so, yeah, I just, I don't like the Jersey Shore gimmick thing, you know, that aggravates me. Well, at least Snooki's not coming back, so we can thank our lucky stars for that. <laughs> I swear, Snooki shows up on my television again. I start reaching for the mute button about as fast as humanly possible. Agreed. All right. So now we get the big reveal as we start the 9 o'clock hour, East Coast, of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn here. And I have to say here, you know what? Sami Zayn has never been known for being a promo guy. This may have been the best promo that Sami has cut in the WWE, and I'm including his run in NXT with this. Kevin talks about the fact that he did what he said he was going to do by sending Shane McMahon to hell. And that he also found himself nearing the gates himself, but that he was sent back because there was work still to be done. And he was sent back with a guardian angel by the name of Sami Zayn. Sami comes out. Oh, wait. By the way, I feel the need to point this out. I said this in the chat. I'm going to say it now. Kevin's heaven would sell as a t-shirt. Absolutely. But... So Sammy comes out and does a little bit of a dance as he's starting to make his way in the ring. And Kevin Owens cracks me up even further by dancing to Sammy's music in the ring. Mm. I lost it. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Something something hysterical about Kevin dancing to Sammy's music. Anyway, so Sammy comes into the ring and it is basically heel 101 for Sammy here by which he believes that he is not responsible for what happened. He did what he did because he was saving his friend because Shane had gotten to the point where his ego was just as bad as what he felt Kevin's could have been 
Whereas Kevin and him had been brothers for years, Shane was blowing him off backstage in a segment on... Gee, I wonder who talked about that last week. I think it was me. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> hey, Liz, asking you shall receive. Okay. I, like I said last week, I think I did anyway. I don't really watch a lot of indie stuff. If I hear about somebody... And then for me, that includes like Ring of Honor, all this stuff. I don't, ha- I don't have time. I would love to. I'd love to be able to watch everything that's out there. Um, but if I hear about somebody, you know, I'll start reading about them. I'll look up their matches. So I wasn't really familiar with Sammy. I didn't really know El Generico or anything like that. But I went back and watched pretty much the majority of Kevin and and Sammy. I love Sammy. I really, really do. So I'm, I'm completely enjoying this already. To me, this op- opens up so many different opportunities because now you can push Kevin and Sammy up the card if you'd like to do so. If you'd like to not push them to the immediate top of the card, then you have the option to have them terrorize the tag team division as Stenerico runs wild once again. You have the opportunity to tell redemption stories for Sammy once Kevin turns his back on Sammy again, which is an inevitable to happen down the road. You have the opportunity to see a side to Sammy Zayn that we have never seen in his WWE run, even going back to NXT. He has never been a heel in the WWE, and he has been there for almost four years. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. I like so this. Is, I, this is the opportunity for the new era and the new incarnation of Sami Zayn. You know, I hope it works. I see a lot, and I've seen this with a lot of people. Um, that maybe that what I wasn't you know so familiar with um, Del Rio when he first showed up. Various other people. It was oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they're coming to the WWE. They're coming to the WWE. We're so excited. It's about time. Then they get there and they're mismanaged or they don't click for some reason, and everybody hates them. You like them ten seconds ago, and now you hate them because you don't like this in, this incarnation of them. Um, but I don't know. I like. I, I kind of. I don't know how to explain my reaction to. So Sammy is, you know, gimmick or whatever you want to call it, the way he acts. Because if I if I say it the way I want to, it's going to sound very, very bad. Um, so I have to think about how to explain that nicely. Um, I blame. It, I, I blame. It, I blame. Sorry, real quick. I blame the fact that he's Canadian. No, no, no. Because his it comes from being living being a New Yorker. Um, his mannerisms, the way he's act, the way he acts, it reminds me of a certain. You know, culture, but I don't want to say it because it's going to sound racist and mean, and that's not the way I mean it. But I relate to it because I see it all around me, you know, and it was like I get a kick out of it. I, I enjoy it. You know, I love the way he, you know, he, you know, what's the word? You know, he just kind of rambles and goes on and on and his mannerisms. I can relate to that because I have a lot of friends that are like that. So I enjoy it, but I, I want to see the evil side of Sammy. To me, this is an opportunity for Sammy to state his claim that he should be up there on the cars the same place that Kevin has been for the better part of the last two years. Right. I can understand that. I think there's a lot of fans out there that feel that way. I mean, I've seen that online a lot. So we're going to get the opportunity to see Sammy get the chance to prove that he belongs here. And if this promo is any indication of what to expect going forward here, then I have nothing but high expectations here. As I said earlier, I thought Sammy knocked this one out of the park. My fingers are crossed for good stuff. All right. We move on to yet another Teddy Long special. 
<laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that over no matter how how much effort I it takes. I love Teddy Long. I love Teddy Long. So it's already over with you. All right, moving on. Yep. Um, Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura, aka Team Get Gender Over, take on Rusev and Aiden English. And. Orton and Nakamura pick up the victory when Shinsuke pins English with Kinshasa! Um, Your thoughts on the match? I I enjoyed it. I mean, it it is what it is. I I didn't expect Aiden and Rusev to win. I think Rusev should have won at the pay-per-view because he needed to win more than Orton, but that's, you know, neither here nor there at this point. Um, I'm enjoying seeing Aiden, you know, more. He keeps losing or getting beat up. I I like, you know, I like his... um, I like what he has going on. I think I, I like his ring work. Um, so I like seeing him, but the match was just, you know, a match. It was, okay, we have these four people who have had some interaction, and then let's see what we can do with it. Okay, here, here's a tag team match. Well, we have three people who have had some interaction, and Nakamura, because they apparently don't have anything else for him right now. <laughs> well, didn't, didn't Randy RKO him a few weeks ago? Yeah, Orton RKO Nakamura after they had a singles match to determine who was going to be the right. number one contender to Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam. Right, so they interacted. He be, he RKO'd him out of nowhere, and now they're best buddies to tag team. Makes perfect sense. Apologies about that. My internet decided not to behave. Itself. <laughs> All right. As I was saying, something witty. As as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted by my internet connection here. The only thing I positive I took away from this match is the fact that Rusev didn't eat the pin. I'm with you on that. I mean, one. they've they've already sacrificed Rusev to the point of trying to get Orton back over again, even though it is so clearly obvious that Orton is unmotivated in this storyline that. At least Rusev's able to walk away here. And I actually kind of have an interest in seeing Shinsuke Nakamura versus Rusev in a singles match. I think it's behind that. I, I don't think it ends well for Rusev, but I'd still be interested in seeing it. And now that you mention it, I, I haven't actually given it any thought until you said it. But my initial reaction, I could see them putting on a good match. I could I definitely feel like- see them. Yeah, I feel like Rusev can work a style that's more conducive to the Nakamura's strengths rather than working style against somebody like a Baron Corbin or like a Jinder Mahal, which which uh, Nakamura has been doing so for the last six months. I mean, pretty much everybody after the Ziggler feud hasn't really worked to the strengths of Nakamura. There were one-offs against Orton and Cena on SmackDown, which were both very good matches, but the pay-per-view matches that uh, Nakamura has been having have been disappointments at best. Do you think that's more because of his opponent style or because? Yes. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, um, it's pretty much established that Jinder Mahal knows how to have one match and doesn't deviate much from the format. He's John Bradshaw Layfield, Indian. Hindi? Whatever. Because we never made much- that comparison, but now it's going to be stuck in my head. 
because it's basically the kind of matches that Bradshaw was having when he was the champion back in 2004. Right. All right. So backstage, AJ Styles cuts a promo and says that it's going to be the end of days. Yuck, yuck, yuck for Baron Corbin's title run. I I see what you did there, AJ. All right. Moving on. And now we get a rehype vignette for Harper and Rowan as a tag team once again. They are being called the Bludgeon Brothers, and apparently they're dressing like War Machine from Ring of Honor. My initial reaction. I'm sorry. Go ahead. My initial reaction is what is this 80s cheesy nonsense that I am being subjected to? Initially, my gut reaction was what am I watching? I was kind of distracted at the moment. I didn't, I didn't realize it was Hopper and Rowan at first because I wasn't really in front of the TV. And Rowan's voice, holy moly, that's like some deep voice there. I liked it. Um, I never really heard him talk a lot, so that's my reaction to it. But th- then when I realized who was, I got behind it more. You know, So initially I was like, oh, what am I seeing? To me, it was kind of like it's kind of similar to the Ascension, but not really that whole you know spiel. It'd be interesting to see what happens with them. Well, if it appears like they're going to be turning the Ascension babyface in their work with Brizongo, so it's entirely possible <coughs> that they they may be bringing in Harper and Rowan as the Bludgeon Brothers to take the spot of the Ascension of that Bruiser heel tag team. Frankly, I am 100% okay with this. I am a huge fan of Harper and Rowan as a tag team. I loved their matches with the Usos <coughs> in 2012, 2013, once the Wyatt family was originally debuting. And I entirely look forward to seeing what they'll be capable of if they get let loose on the tag division here in 2017. I agree with that assessment. I think there's definitely I, – I, they've worked well together before, so I definitely think there's potential for them to be – you know, really good to make a difference with the extremely lacking tag division. SmackDown Live gets glorious. Okay, my voice was way too high for that. As Bobby Roode comes out to celebrate the fact that he won his first match on pay-per-view, but to bitch about the fact that he was jumped after his first match on pay-per-view by the man he just beat because, you know, 50-50 booking. I mean, he doesn't exactly say as much, but you know what I mean. You know. Anyway... Ziggler comes out after Rude challenges him to a fight, if saying that if Ziggler wants a rematch, he can have one whenever he wants. Ziggler comes out, getting the R-Truth cut entrance once again. Do you like the fact that the song plays before it cuts, or do you think he should full-on come out, no music, no entrance, video, nothing, just spotlight? I think he should just come out. Like, I feel like him actually waiting for the I'm here to show the world takes away from the gimmick. Right, that's that was my feeling with it as well. It's like just come out. It's dark. It's nothing. You don't even see him. The spotlight's on him, he's, or he starts talking. Then the spotlight finds him. Much more impactful. So Ziggler threatens to come down to the ring and get his rematch tonight, and then says, "Nah, Grand Rapids doesn't deserve it." Basically, heel heel extension one hundred and one. And then we do find out that the match is announced for next week. What did you think of the match at Hell in a Cell, Is I didn't see the whole thing. <laughs> but um, disclaimer, I was at Comic-Con on Sunday, so I watched most of the highlights of it. But what I did see, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, I haven't actually really seen that much reaction to it online either. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong places. 
but I haven't I haven't seen you know all that much. I think everybody knew Rude was going to win. It was you know makes most sense. Um, I liked it from what what I saw of it. I don't know if I'd put it up there with like the top three matches of the night. See, my issue was is I felt like the match dragged. Yes. Like, I underst- I understood what they were trying to do, but they took too long to get there. There was no reason for this match to go as long as it did. And um, when you think about the fact that the Hell in a Cell match ran almost 40 minutes in and of itself there, the last two matches on the card between entrances and exits and everything like that took almost a full hour, which I feel like was a mistake having this match go as long as it was for the position that it had on the card. That being said, I thought the ring work was okay, but nothing spectacular, which unfortunately for a debuting superstar such as Rude is probably not the thing you want to say about his first pay-per-view match. It's going to be an unpopular opinion. You ready? I like Rude. I liked Rude when he was in other companies as well. I liked whatever. Um, I don't find him that entertaining on the mic at all. I feel like he's very... I'm not phoning it in. That's not the right term, but it don't pop into my mind. It's like, no, it's always the same tone. There's never any emotion, at least that I've seen yet. I have I think it's the fact that he doesn't translate as well to being a babyface as he does as a heel. I think he's a much better natural heel. Okay, I can accept that. But at the same time, the SmackDown roster is so heel heavy right now. With oh, right. excuse me, with Owens, Zayn, Ziggler, Corbin, and a whole whole host of others, that he would have gotten lost in the shuffle as a heel. Whereas they were desperate for mid card babyfaces. I mean, it's look at what happened. Sure. Look at what happened to Mike Canales even before the issues with his drug usage was even with the issues with his prescription drug usage became a thing. Canales was doing nothing fast. That's true. I feel like Rude could have landed in that same area of mid-card purgatory had he not come in as a babyface and had a chance to establish that that entrance video is going to be what gets him over with the casual fan base. That glorious entrance. <laughs> Everybody sings along, I mean. Mm-hmm. All right, that takes us to our main event of the evening, scheduled for one fall. No one? Okay, never mind. As Baron Corbin defends his United States title against AJ Styles. Um, not as good as the triple threat at Hell in a Cell, in my opinion, but not a bad singles match either. I think the issue here is that Corbin is just... I don't know how to put this. Corbin's a little clunky at times, I feel like. The match told a good story, but I think Corbin's so clunky at times, and there is a possibility that AJ got legitimately hurt hitting the Ushiguroshi as well. I think that's my biggest thing with you know with Corbin. Now, granted, I can barely walk a straight line. I can't pretend I can do you know a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of anything that these wonderful people do. But against you know certain, I like Corbin in the ring. I don't think he's awful. I actually do like the whole thing that Corbin has going on. Um, except I think he needs a haircut. But I, mean, I, I like the match. You know, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, you know, a decent, you know, rematch. But against someone like Styles, who tends to be very fluid, very smooth, the clunkiness does stand out. 
Yeah, and not to mention, I think the other thing, too, about this particular match here is the fact that these guys have been facing off so much recently here that it kind of comes off as a case of we've been there, we've done that, we've seen it, it's time to move on. My question is going to be where do they go from here with Baron Corbin's title reign? And the thought process that I immediately had was the aforementioned Bobby Roode, but with him still stuck with Dolph Ziggler for apparently a little while still, who do you think is going to be the next in line for Corbin's U.S. title? Jeez, I was just going to ask you. So do let me think. Do they go back to Ty Dillinger, perhaps? I can't see that lasting very long. I can't get behind Ty that much. Maybe just, maybe he'll grow on me. There's a lot of people that I don't like. Not that I don't like them, but that I'm like, eh, about initially that eventually grow on me. That's like, that happens. Um, so, I mean, that matchup would do nothing for me. It would probably be good. I think he would still look extremely clunky against... Um, against Ty. I'm trying to think who everybody's everybody I'm thinking that like would be in line for the US title is also a heel. So that's the other thought that I had too. I mean I could see if if Ziggler were a face, Ziggler and Corbin had some pretty okay matches against each other, but that's been done to death. Rude and Corbin would be an original matchup, but at the same time Rude apparently is focusing on Rude's apparently focusing his interests on uh ziggler here's a thought for you what about the new day oh my gosh harry i was just waiting for pause so i could say that uh the thought that i would have here is i would really be interested in seeing baron corbin against big e yeah i was gonna say kofi or or e put him in with a a bit of a a bit of a you know the, the veteran of the three but Biggie versus Corbin would I would totally get behind that. I love Biggie. Well, and I think it would help Corbin to work with somebody his size or even bigger too. Because right. while I, I think, think that, oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, honey. I think that with New Day necessarily being out of the, you know, they don't have a rematch or anything like that. I think it helps keep them fresh, keep them together. You know, do like other factions did, throw in a different, you know championship to them where the other two completely support them a la you know the shield where roman had whatever he had and the other two were the tag champion you know and everybody uh, worked together reigns and rollins were the tag champs ambrose was the u.s ambrose champion. was the u.s yeah i knew that i'm tired forgive me <laughs> it's okay some fangirl i am um so, so, Maybe it could be a situation where they kind of freebird the U.S. title. Would you have any interest in that happening? Seeing as how I, I, yeah, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't mind it. I think it would freshen things up. I mean, I think it would it would keep the new day fresh. It would keep their you know dynamic. As we were talking about it last week, and even like now, I was talking about it with my friend before. Like, I wonder where this is going to go with in, with you know the new day. So it would be great. For, I think. I think at least two of them, uh, you know, deserve some type of singles run with, with the other two supporting them. So I wouldn't care if they free birded the, any other belt. I would get a kick out of it myself. I think a lot of people would moan and groan, and, but I think it would make for some entertainment on air, definitely. And that officially takes us to the end of SmackDown, leaving only one thing left for us to do. Scale of 1 to 10 here, Liz. What do you give tonight's SmackDown Live? I'm going to say a seven. Okay. Why? Would because, like, yeah. yeah. I was about to <laughs> say, would you like to expand <laughs> upon that? I was, I was trying to get my thoughts together. 
I just, for me, it's like we just saw the matches on the pay per view. I would rather they build to the rematch than have it the very next show. So, like the the whole women's thing felt felt flat for me. Oh, Bray is a brawl backstage. I like Charlotte's grown on me, so I like her. The whole Ellsworth on a chain thing does nothing. That annoys me to no end. I'm very mad about the women. That's going to be a very unpopular opinion, but I am at the moment. Um, I mean, it kept my attention. I thought there were some, you know, pretty good matches. I thought the Uso, I know last week I said that the Usos, tend, for me, tend to repeat themselves. Really enjoyed them, you know, this week. But I don't like seeing the rematches. I'm actually glad Rude and Ziggler didn't have their rematch this week. I like it to be a little spaced. So for that, I give it a seven. I'm going to go just a slight bit higher at seven and a half because I actually really enjoyed tonight's episode of SmackDown, especially after sitting through what was, in my opinion, a relatively lackluster episode of Raw last night. SmackDown, in my opinion, significantly better paced, significantly better put together. There were only four matches on tonight's episode of SmackDown, but the matches that we did have Almost all of them meant something with the exception of Becky Lynch and Carmella. The only thing about the Becky Lynch and Carmella match was to remind you that Becky Lynch still exists. Which is nice to know that she's still there. I mean, it's kind of the same <laughs> thought I had seeing Dana Brooke last night on Raw. I'm like, you know what I learned tonight? Dana Brooke still has a job. <laughs> so... All in all, I think top to bottom, it was a really well-paced uh, SmackDown here. The opening segment with the Usos in the New Day was really good until it turned into your traditional revolving door segment. But the four-way tag match for the number one contendership I thought was very entertaining as well. The Sami Zayn-Kevin Owens segment was fantastic. It was perfectly done. Absolutely. And Sami is following the major role justification for being a heel. That regardless of what the heel does, he has to believe he's doing the right thing. And I think Sammy genuinely feels like he did the right thing saving his friend from what he thought was an eagle maniacal boss. Good man. Um, the U.S. title match I thought was entertaining, if not necessarily a little choppy in places. But I think that might have to do with AJ possibly getting hurt on the Ushiguroshi. So I'm going to cut them some slack there. And I actually like the fact that they're trying to do something with Baron Corbin because I actually, I, I, as you do, I find him entertaining. Plus, his theme song kicks butt. Yeah, I do love it. I listen to it. I keep listening to that little blurb you sent me. Well, I actually found the uh, the full-length one is on YouTube now. I have to send it to you later. Oh, yeah, send it to me. The full-length version of that song is on YouTube. It's called I Bring the Darkness. It's by Jim Johnston featuring Tommy Vexed. Easily uh, the best theme song in a while. Yeah, we were talking to uh, we were talking about this on the uh, on the Monday Night Raw review last night, and we were mentioning the fact that this is a guy who uh, filled in with Five Finger Death Punch earlier in the year when Ivan Moody had his issues. So. This is a guy who knows what he's doing when it comes to this style of music. And if you read the lyrics that are on the page, too, the song perfectly fits Corbin. I'll definitely check it out. <laughs> it's a it's a Jim, it's a Jim Johnston special for sure. But all right, that is that is going to wrap it up for us here. So we want to thank you for listening to the W2M Smackdown Live Review. You can find us online at W2Mnet.com. And in addition, we would also like to thank our friends over at 401 Mania for letting us post these shows there as well for you guys to check out. Liz and I will be back next Tuesday with more Smackdown Live. So for my new co-hostess with the mostest, Liz Pugalisi, I'm Harry Broadhurst. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week for SmackDown Live. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production.
Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.